in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome on in to uh, episode 179 of the Sports Hour. It is a beautiful Tuesday evening. Mitch, we are live on YouTube, on X, at youtube.com slash the Sports Hour, guys. You can find us on X at Sports Hour, guys, live every Tuesday. Uh, You can join the live stream. If you've joined us tonight, hello. Thanks for stopping by. Leave a comment. Let us know uh, that you're you're sticking around tonight. Uh, If you're listening to the podcast uh, in podcast form, well, we welcome you too. Uh, Thanks for joining. We got a uh, fun podcast tonight, Mitch. uh, What do we we got? So first off, speaking of live stream and stuff, you're looking incredible tonight. Oh, the shirts, the shirts popping. It's lively. It's bringing energy. You've got the great uh, Rocket City Trash Pandas hat to match, right? So I yes, mean, you're right? you're killing it. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, you know, I'm a big Hawaiian shirt guy now. Big Hawaiian mm. shirt guy. So you know, just uh, I guess salvaging the last uh, little bit of warm weather that we got over here on the West Coast before it starts to get into winter time. Because apparently, we're at an El Nino, Dallin. El mm. Nino. A lot of rain. A lot Ooh. of rain. It's going to be a wet one. It's going to be a wet yeah. one. So I guess take advantage of the little bit of warm weather we got. Uh, I like it. At the end of the year. And then, yeah, I haven't wore, I haven't repped the trash pandas in a while. So it was, it was time to bust out the old Rocket City trash pandas hat for, for uh, episode 179, Dallin. Um, looks good. But hey, you're looking good yourself, my friend. You're looking good yourself. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I ain't got nothing. I, I ain't got nothing special on me tonight. I gotta bring the heat next week. Jeez, dude. Yeah, yeah. You got, wear that. Wear that awesome Jonathan Stewart jersey mm-hmm. that we saw on that TikTok. If you haven't been checking out the TikTok, go ahead and check out that TikTok. Our TikTok page, the Sports Hour guys. Um, make sure to give that a look. I mean, that's a, that's a that's a, Darn near a throwback nowadays. Yeah, it kind of is, which is wild because that shouldn't be a throwback considering it was not that long ago. It was. He yeah. was a prominent player, but yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to throw the J Stu jersey back on. Maybe if the Panthers got a win, I'd feel like wearing that thing out in public a little more. <laughs> we, sit, we sit winless. Uh, you know the feeling. I know the feeling all too you're, well. All too you're, well. you're familiar. Uh, unfortunately we do have to talk about some of our shitty teams tonight, but, uh, there's a lot of other stuff we're going to talk about tonight, Mitch, including some big NBA news that we've been waiting on for a while. It finally happened. We'll, we'll give our reactions to it. MLB postseason is underway starting today. We'll give some world series predictions. The campus tour is always, uh, the world of college football heating up. 
the first edition of our Heisman watch coming up in this episode. Uh, our week by week top five rankings in the uh, what the Heisman rankings should look like and uh, first edition coming up today in the campus tour. And then, uh, you know, besides the NFL stuff on the backside, Mitch, we've got a draft that I'm very excited about. Yeah, we do. We do have a draft, uh, a a 2.0 of a former draft that we have done before. It just one draft wasn't going to be enough. We had to do a second one. And you know what, Dallin, to be honest with you, I don't think two is enough. We might have to do a three or four of these suckers <laughs> to really give all of the candidates their due. You know, they're just due their their justice here. So um, I'm really excited to do that draft as well. Um, we'll do the draft. We got a little bit of who the hell is that? Um, and then we're going to get into our NFL recap and then eventually wind up the way we do every show at the end of the d- during the NFL season. Uh, our NFL quick picks. Uh, it's, it's it's chock full of stuff today, Dallin. Yes. Chock full of stuff. Yeah. So let's uh, let's get right into it, Mitch, and let's start in uh, with some news. And we'll start with the big NBA news. And uh, as I alluded to, this was something we've been waiting on. Damian Lillard, his status in Portland as a trailblazer. Would he get traded? Where would he get traded? Would it be Miami? Was somebody else going to come out of the woodworks and make this deal happen? And somebody did, Mitch. And it was the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Surprising, I think, pretty much everybody, most everybody. I'm sure the uh, Ultimate NBA insiders probably had the hint. But uh, Damian Lillard heads to Milwaukee to join Giannis and the championship team Bucks from a few years ago. He uh, he was involved in a three team deal. I'm going to give you the uh, parameters of this trade. And then uh, I want to react to this from a few different fronts, obviously, starting with the Dame and Milwaukee side of it. So that's where we'll, you know, Milwaukee gets Damian Lillard. The Portland Trailblazers get Drew Holiday, uh, who was then moved. And we'll talk about him in a second. Uh, Tamani Kamara. Don't know who that is. Uh, a 2029 unprotected first round pick, a 2028 and 2030 unprotected pick swap, but all of those coming from Milwaukee and DeAndre Ayton from the Phoenix Suns and the Suns for their participation of getting off of DeAndre Ayton receive Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little and Keon Johnson a team that desperately needs depth and bodies on this roster that's jam-packed with contracts and stars at the top. So three-team deal that gets Dame to Milwaukee. Mitch, give me your reaction to Dame time with the Greek freak in Milwaukee. I mean, I think that this... I think this clearly gives Dame his best opportunity to go win a title now. Um, he's They've built a big three. They've built a big three with him and Giannis and Chris Middleton that's still there. Um, they're they're going to have guys like, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have a lot of different complementary pieces that are going to be around them. This feels like a team um, that is primed to go win a title right now and um, should be the favorites, should be the favorites out of the East um, without a question. Yep. Yeah, I would agree. And uh you know, I Miami seemed like a natural fit, right? Obviously, he wanted to go to Miami. Right. There were a lot of connections and reasons why he would want to be there. 
But I think, I mean, time will tell, but I think you could argue this is a better destination for Damian Lillard. I mean, uh, yeah. not only has this team won in recent years, but Giannis is one of the best players in the league. And Jimmy Butler plays like one of the best players in the league in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Jimmy is not the level of player of Giannis. I don't know that I, maybe that's uh, maybe that's a take. I don't know. Like that. I just think that Giannis is a different level. He's an MVP, you know? So um, pairing up with a guy of that caliber to carry you on offense allows you to do what you need to do on offense as a ball handler. There, there's no, you know, you don't, you're not paired with a superstar who now also demands the ball in his hands, right? Giannis works in every offense. Giannis works with everybody. You know, Giannis is going to work great next to Damian Lillard and allows Dame to do exactly what he needs I to mean, do. I, I think mean, this what, is a great fit. Yeah, I mean, what a better teammate to, to have to be a part of that big three combination than Giannis. I mean, yeah. probably the most likable guy in the NBA right now. I mean, who doesn't love Giannis? Um, but also, you bring up a great point. It, like, it frees Giannis up to not have to be so responsible on the offensive side of the mm-hmm. ball. He could, he's already a defensive prowess. Like, oh, yeah, let him go play defense and be a big boards guy, be a guy that can pound it down low. He doesn't have to attack from the perimeter anymore. You have Dame to go do that type of stuff with Chris Middleton, with Pat Connaughton, who has, you know, shown up in, in big moments as well. Like, you have the opportunity to just let Giannis eat down in the paint. And I mean, that puts him right back in the MVP conversation as far as, you know, and, puts him right back in the conversation. One of the best big men um, in the league. Yeah, I definitely think uh, Milwaukee should be the favorites coming out of the East after this move, a big time move for the bucks to get Dame Uh, on the Portland side of this, Mitch, you know, uh, I think one of the things that never made the, the sense with the Miami thing was just the return that they would be able to get from Miami centering a package around Tyler hero was never going to be an attractive right. uh, offer. Because even if you didn't like Tyler Hero and you thought, well, maybe we can then trade him to somebody else, how valuable is he going to be to other teams, right? I think that that was a big issue with the Miami thing. Well, instead, Portland pulls off a trade to get Drew Holiday in return, to get DeAndre Ayton, to get you know an unprotected first and the first round pick swaps. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's going to stick around. He's a good, uh, he's a solid big. He's a, I mean, we saw it in that title in that NBA finals run that they made. You saw what he really could be. Uh, he was frankly dominant at times in the playoffs and, it, and you saw the glimpse of, okay, you know, we'll see what a new situation looks like for him in Portland. Perhaps it looks better. Uh, Portland then trades drew holiday over to the Boston Celtics. They get Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, a 2024 first round pick via golden state and a 2029 unprotected first round pick in return for drew holiday. So think about it like this, Mitch Portland traded Damian Lillard and got back Deandre Ayton, Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, Two, uh, three unprotected first round picks and two unprotected pick swaps. That is vastly better than anything they would have got from Miami. That's vastly better than anything they could have got, I think, almost anywhere. This is a huge win for Portland in my mind. Yeah, I mean, 
sure, maybe you don't feel great about building around, you know, DeAndre Ayton or whatever, but they have the young players there. Uh, you know, they they drafted. Uh, didn't they draft Scoot? Don't they have in the, in, the, in that who ended up with Scoot Henderson? I think mm-hmm. so. Uh, you know, they've got a future somewhere else. They got to pivot. Th- this is the best thing they could have got. I think this was a big win for Portland. Huge win for Portland. I mean, and you have to start somewhere. I mean, like this is a rebuild that has been put off far, far, far too long. Like yeah, they've just yeah. been kind of clinging on to eighth seed hopes for a long time with Dame there. And finally they pulled the trigger. And so now you have to start somewhere. So huge, huge win for Portland. Um, of course, Dame loved playing in, in you know, Portland to love the trailblazers organization, but I think it's a big win for Dame to go play for a, a contending team right now. And it's a big win for Portland because it puts them in a good position to start rebuilding right out of the gate. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And then just a little bit, I mean, on the Phoenix side, they get off Aiton. That that relationship had clearly soured. Things were not good. Again, uh, they replace him with a solid big and Yusuf Nurkic who can provide a lot of what Aiton was doing. And on top of that, you got a lot of depth. Grayson Allen is a guy who could be in a rotation in the playoffs. He's not, you know, you're not asking him to do a ton, but he can give you 12 minutes. Uh, and you got some depth there. So I think for Phoenix, I think they saw an opportunity to get involved, to move off of a player and reset the roster as they've already done with KD and, and the acquisitions they've made. So uh, I think a smart move. And again, I think, you know, we'll see where it pays off for Aiden. I think he's got a lot of talent. We'll see if it looks better for him in Portland. Yeah, I mean, this this, this seems like wasteland for DeAndre Ayton. I mean, like he, yeah. he goes from a winner to a to now a rebuilding team. It seems like a wasteland for DeAndre Ayton. And he, it sucks because the guy's got a ton of talent, but he kind of forced his way out of Phoenix a little bit too. So like it, it this is kind of a little bit on him as well. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if he's be able, is, if he's going to be able to continue his um, career in a positive direction in Portland. I, yeah. I, I think that he's totally capable of that. It's, it's can, can he get it done between the ears? Yeah, fair enough. Um, so did we want to talk about Drew Holiday though? Not even staying in Portland. He oh goes yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Drew Holiday on the side of this. I mean, we talked about. I know I mentioned the trade, but yeah, on the Boston side of this, big, big pickup for Boston to see an opportunity. Now a big price tag, right? Huge, you know, huge. The, the 2024 yeah. first and unprotected 2029 first. Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams is two two solid players, but Drew Holiday is going to bring a lot of what they lost to Marcus Smart. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's going to be huge for this team that is clearly going to need that. So I think, I think this is a very big move for Boston. I don't think it puts them quite up to the level of Milwaukee, but certainly helps them in that sort of top of the East competition. Oh, they're competent. They're, they're competitors. Competitors. Oh yeah. I almost said competitors. That was, that would have been a weird way to say that. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're competitors. Absolutely. With Milwaukee. I mean, this definitely puts in my mind, at least Boston was already an East, you know, they're an Eastern conference contender every single year with Dame going to Milwaukee with Boston, bringing in what they lost even probably more. So with drew holiday, but they lost with Marcus smart. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a to see a Boston Milwaukee Eastern Conference Finals this year. I mean, that would be a fun yeah. series to watch. Really fun with everyone healthy. You know, granted, everyone healthy, God willing, that would be a really, really fun 
um, series to watch is would be Boston Milwaukee. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, in that, I think those are clearly the top two. And then I think there's a big, uh, you know, probably a pretty sizable gap. Uh, it, and I don't want to disrespect Miami cause they keep proving us wrong time and time again. So we got to give them their just due, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, these teams have certainly upgraded, uh, where Miami has not. And, you know, Philadelphia has not and, and other teams in the East Cleveland. So, uh, yeah, very, very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, Dallin, let's get into the MLB playoffs here for just a quick moment because they are starting tonight. In fact, games are going on right now as we see Diamondbacks up over the Brewers, bottom of the fifth. Right now, the Marlins are trailing the Phillies at the end of the fourth, three to nothing. Um, but two wild card games have wrapped up already. Rangers get it done over the Rays, four nothing. Twins get it done over the Blue Jays, three to one. Um, as we look through the MLB playoffs, Dallin, let's just let's get it down to the nitty gritty. Let's take a favorite out of the AL, a favorite out of the NL. What's our World Series matchup? Um, I'm going to let you kick it off here of who you got coming out of their respective leagues and who we're going to see in a World Series matchup. OK, well, how about we both start in like the NL? Do you want to give let's start? With oh, sure. Yeah, let's do that. Um. This one's very easy for me. That's why I want to start in the NL. I need to think about the AL because uh, that yeah, one's well, tough. You're just taking your boys, right? Yeah, the NL is very easy. Listen, I know the Braves, you know, the number one, 104, won most, you know, most games in the NL. That's great. Dodgers won, you know, 100 plus games for the third year in a row. And uh, yeah, I, of course, I'm going to pick them. Now, do I actually believe that the Dodgers will go to the World Series? And do I actually believe that they'll win it? Uh, I wish I could say that the answer was yes. Uh, it's like a uh, 60-40 mix right now. But uh, I will pick the Dodgers. I will pick them despite that. I, I'm i going to... I understand why you're going with the Dodgers, right? And I would love to go with the Dodgers for you, for Grandma mm. Patty. Yeah. For Grandma Patty, I have to go oh, with yeah. Dodgers, right? Wrong. Wrong. I'm going with the Atlanta Braves. And I'll okay. tell you why. The Atlanta Braves are the second team in MLB history and who have a team slugging percentage over 500. That would, the only other team would be the 1927 Yankees, the best team in MLB history, the murderers row Yankees, right? They're basically the second best offense in the entire history of major league baseball. Um, they absolutely crush the competition on the offensive side of the ball. They have the good pitching going forward. The Dodgers don't have that, and I think that's a really tough thing to run up against. I'm going to go with the Braves. I'll give them six. I'll go. I'll go Braves in six. Wow. Okay. In the NLD and the NLCS, but like to me, like this is the Braves' thing to lose. Like they're by it far should the be best team absolutely. They are absolutely the favorite, and it is theirs to lose. That's almost why I like the position for LA better. When we're the favorites, we always choke. But if maybe we're not the favorites. Maybe we could actually get it done. Uh, yeah. I'll say LA in seven, by the way. Um, okay. On the on the AL side of things, Mitch, obviously one of the biggest stories of the season is the Baltimore Orioles. They're the number one seed. Oh, yeah. They win the AL East. Uh, incredible season for the Orioles. Uh, they get the bye. Uh, Astros are the two seed. They're right up there. You know, they get the bye as well. But uh, Rays had a very good record. They're going to be competitive. Astros, Rangers. Uh, AL's pretty thick. 
Oh, I hate doing this. I'm going to pick the Astros. They no. just seem inevitable and it sucks. And I, you know, no, you know what? I'll take it back. Scratch that. I'm not taking the cheating, stinking Astros. What am I? I can't, I can't I'm not going to. You would piss Grandma Patty off. I'm so not going to do that. I cannot take the Orioles, though. I would love to believe that Baltimore is going to pull it off. I don't even think they get out of the ALDS. I just, I just, I don't think it's going to happen. Give me the Rays. Give me Tampa Bay and give me a Tampa Bay LA rematch in the World Series like 2020. The last time the Dodgers got it done in a World Series. You know what? I, I love it. I love that. I'm I'm going to be on board with you here, though. I'm not going to take anyone that gets the bye. I'm taking someone mm. out of the wild card round. Give me the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, I've, okay. I've been talking about the Toronto Blue Jays for years now, about how they are ready to go. The young talents there. It is finally starting to come to fruition. I like the Blue Jays to get this one done. And, and I like the Blue Jays over the Orioles. In the ALCS, what what an ALCS matchup that would be! Blue Jays Orioles, oh yeah, the Bird Series. Let's go! Give me the Blue Jays to get to come out of the AL. Okay, and then we got to give a World Series prediction. So in a Bra- in a Braves Blue Jays World Series, who, who's winning it? Who you? Who oh, you it's, picking it's, to take it's it the Atlanta Braves. It's the Atlanta Braves over Blue Jays. Jays. Okay, and then I would obviously pick the Dodgers over the Rays. So we got the NL team. Getting it done over the AL East squad in the World Series. Love to see it. There you go. Just watch the Minnesota Twins come out of nowhere, or like hey, the Milwaukee Twins and Brewers. Brewers. A whole Midwest matchup. Oh my Woo! goodness! Wait. Let's go. That'd be a good one. Bust out the cheese curds. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mitch, Hell I have yeah. a, uh, I have a proposition here. I have, uh, I have a nominee. For the pit of misery. Oh, I dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. It's yeah. I, I feel bad doing this. And it's I don't even know if I truly I don't want this to be a, a harsh punishment. I'm almost looking for like a probationary period, like, like a, a one week stay, you know. Okay. I, I, I don't know how the, I don't know. You're the warden. You can you can determine the terms. But no, I think can, if we could do a one week stay, we could do a I okay, because I think the U.S. Ryder Cup team needs to spend a little time in the pit of misery. Um, And maybe I'm just feeling down and bad after the Ryder Cup over in Rome where the U.S. uh, failed to retain the cup. They they fell 16 and a half to 11 and a half points. And you might be asking yourself, well, that doesn't, you know, the margin is not, you know, too bad. It's pretty close. You have to get 14 and a half points. Europe needed 14 and a half to, to get the cup. So, you know, fairly close, you could say. Uh, but if you watched any of this Ryder Cup, it was it was pretty obvious that the U.S. was at a big disadvantage from the get-go. Uh, got down big early on Friday morning. Failed to really take advantage on Friday afternoon. Got down even bigger on Saturday morning. Came back a little bit in Saturday afternoon. It was 10 and a half to five and a half coming into Sunday. 12 singles matches. And uh, just didn't get it done. And on the Europe side, where the big dogs ate, the big dogs got it done. John Rahm, Victor Hovland, 
uh, Rory, those guys won their matchups. Our guys were nowhere to be found. Scotty Scheffler, nowhere to be found. He and Brooks Kepka lost on Saturday afternoon in historic fashion, nine in seven, nine points in seven. Uh, it was an historic loss in the foursome matchup. No one's ever lost that bad. There's like a picture of Scotty just devastated on the back of a golf cart from there. I mean, it's it was bad. And and I yes, the U.S. made a bit of a comeback in the singles on Sunday. They made a push. There was a, there was some good performances. I thought a lot of the rookies in the Ryder Cup showed out really well. Guys like Max Homa, guys like Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon. Uh, who you maybe thought, oh, like, really, these guys don't have a lot of experience. Those were the guys that showed up. The yeah. Ryder Cup vets were the guys that weren't showed up, that, that didn't show up. The ca- the captain's picks, Mitch, Zach Johnson, who got to, uh, you know, put in some players, and he made some controversial picks in this, including uh, Justin Thomas, and <laughs> he actually played better than his playing partner, Jordan Smith, most of the week. They went 4-12-4, and four, their captain's picks. It was not a good performance. The U.S. hasn't won on European soil in 30 years since 1993, the last time the U.S. won the Ryder Cup on European soil. It's not easy to win on the road in the Ryder Cup, but we got to do better than that. Europe gets it done. The Europe dominates us in the Ryder Cup, and I'm sick of it. I mean, I'm just, I'm just sick of it. I mean, we can do better. It's, it's, um, it's, it's the goddamn United States of America. We got to do better. So that's all I'm saying. So you know, I mean, it's, the the American names on this team is staggering. Yeah, Patrick Cantlay, Ricky Fowler, Max Homa, Brooks Kepta, Colin Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas. I mean, like staggering staggering but you look at team europe man matt fitzpatrick tommy fleetwood victor hovland shane lowry robert mcintyre justin rose john rom rory mcelroy i mean can you really blame team usa a good team for dropping for dropping the team to team europe i mean that's that's a juggernaut of european golfers right there i i don't it is. I get it. They, they it should is. be putting time out. Go ahead, put your nose in the corner, and think about what you just did. <laughs> but then they're coming right back out. I think. I hope so. When it comes when it comes to the pit of misery, but yeah, I mean, uh, yes, yes. Listen, I I'm not advocating for a permanent stay. Again, it's just yeah. a reminder we got to do better. I think it hurts too, Mitch. This is coming off an historic win at Whistling Straits, a 19 to nine U.S. victory the most dominant Ryder cup we've ever seen. And to come out and look so pitiful at times, it looked like we were about to get on the other end of that. And uh, so again, glad that they rallied, but uh, it'll be back in the U S at Beth, Beth page black in a few years. So we'll have four years till we get it back. Uh, I think it'll be in Ireland at that time for a chance to win it in European soil. But uh, yeah, dilly dilly. Sorry to the U.S. Ryder Cup team, but we got to be better. Got to do better. Got to be better. Got to be better. Dilly dilly. Welcome to the pit of misery for your uh, your timeout, Team USA. <laughs> your little timeout. Down. Let's get right in college football campus tour. Let's get right into it. And let's start with uh, a little bit of week five recap, a little bit of Pac-12 recap to kick it off. Uh, USC going to hold off Colorado in a win, a big win. Um, for USC, 48-41 over Colorado. And a, 
and a game that I think that Colorado proved that they belong. They didn't mm. have to win this game to prove that they belong. They just had to hang around and they did. They kept it a one score game and, and they were a part of the conversation with one of the best offensive teams in the nation. So, um, you know, while USC gets the win like they should have, I think Colorado did a fantastic job of proving that, Hey, we may not be here now, but we belong in this conversation. Um, uh, as one of the top tier West coast teams right now in the nation. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, they were down 34-14 at halftime. Uh, and after the beatdown that they experienced at Autzen Stadium last week, you know, would you would anyone blame them if they, you know, turned over and died at halftime, right? But they didn't. Right. As you said, they fought back and impressive for Colorado there, and I do think they deserve some credit for that. I think this also speaks to how bad USC's defense continues to be and how much of a problem it's going to be for them in Pac-12 play. I mean, they let Colorado come back on them and scare them. And Colorado's a pretty good team. You have Washington and you have Oregon and you have Utah and you have Washington State and Oregon State. You have some other really good teams in this conference. And if that defense isn't up to snuff, USC will lose and they will lose multiple games. So uh, my biggest takeaway from this was USC's got to figure out this defense thing because Oregon held this team to six points last week. That defense looked legit. Washington looks like they've got a formidable defense. We know Utah's defense, but uh, yeah, this USC defense, not impressive in this game to let the team, uh, to let Colorado come back in that. And so I think moving forward, that's one of my biggest takeaways. Yeah. I mean, the defenses were definitely not uh, impressive at all. And we kind of knew that yeah. about USC <laughs> and Colorado. Like sure, they, for sure. they were offensive juggernauts. Yeah. Defense, not their strong suit. Right. On the flip side, though, Oregon State and Utah, that's a defensive matchup. And we saw that one on Friday night. Oregon State getting the job done 21-7 over Utah. Um, can we just solidify as Oregon State is the best defense in the Pac-12? I mean, mm, like, it, it's, maybe. I, I think it might be time. I think if there was a conversation, it'd be between Utah and Oregon State. And now we've seen, like, the proof is in the pudding. We've seen it now on the field. Can we solidify Oregon State as the best defense in the Pac-12? I think their uh, in-state rivals might have a case there with the Oregon Ducks. Again, I want to mm. see a couple more yeah. games, but a very impressive performance from Oregon State. Uh, we talked about this in our picks. This was one of our picks last week, and uh, we talked about Cam Rising, the Utah quarterback. Would he play? Would he not? He didn't play in this game again, uh, and you saw that in just the offensive ineptitude that they had at times, and credit Oregon State. Uh, stifling defense and an offense that uh, was up for the challenge against a very tough Utah defense. Uh, so I thought, you know, 358 total yards for the Oregon state offense under 200 total yards for the Utah offense in this game. Uh, you know, 11 penalties for Oregon state doesn't help them in this game. So overall, yeah, I think an impressive win for Oregon state. They've proven that they are a pac 12 contender this year utah just desperately needs their quarterback back uh if they're going to be pac-12 contenders and they can't really afford to lose another game at this point frankly i mean i, I we'll see the pac-12 is super competitive maybe you could be two losses in conference play and make it to the pac-12 title game but i you know you, you don't want to see you don't want to put yourself in that situation so um yeah you you feel like if if utah wants to hang around 
Cam Rising has to be a part of the equation. Like yep. we just can't we they can't miss out on that guy too much. No, too much longer. They can't. No, absolutely not. Uh, Mitch, uh, let's jump over to the SEC. Couple games we wanted to highlight here. First, the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, they uh, they survived a little battle against Auburn. Auburn led 10, 10 to nothing after the first quarter. Uh, gave Georgia a run for their money, but uh, Carson Beck and Brock Bowers got it done. Georgia defeated Auburn twenty seven to twenty. Impressive performance from Auburn, given a you know, given a battle to the number one team in the country, Georgia showing some resilience. We haven't talked a lot about the Bulldogs because they've frankly played nobody this season. Uh, Auburn was cupcake. Good, yeah. Auburn was a good test for them. It'll get even bigger with Kentucky this week, a ranked matchup that we'll, we'll talk about in our picks, but uh, good to see them battle some adversity come through on top. I say good in the sense of good for the team. I don't mean good for you personally, Mitch, because I know as an Alabama fan, you're thinking this isn't good. I don't know what you mean by good, uh, but uh, good to see Georgia battle that adversity, come through on top, and again, another challenge ahead for them. I mean, I'm, I'm really at a catch-22 here because I love to see Georgia struggle against a, a struggling, floundering program, but that program also happened to be Auburn. So, like, I'm at a really that, yeah, tough... That is... I'm, I'm, I'm at a really... I'm at a catch-22 at crossroads yeah. here. Um, look, I mean, and, and we'll talk about this in a little bit on a little bit later. Like there was a reason that there were more teams getting more first place votes this week after this Georgia matchup, because they did not look as strong as they have in years past, uh, against an Auburn team. So, um, you know, I, I guess a good win for Georgia, they were able to pull it out, but I, I would be concerned. I would be concerned that you only make that a one score game against an Auburn program. Yeah, definitely. Uh, again, test against Kentucky. We'll see how they respond. Perhaps they look better, but uh, yeah, certainly not a convincing win by any means for Georgia. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, Ole Miss LSU, great matchup. Uh, just a fireworks of a game uh, between the Tigers and the Rebels. Ole Miss gets it done 55 to 49. Uh, they led 21 to seven after the first quarter. LSU took a big lead. They went back and forth. Ole Miss scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to come away with this win. Jackson Dart with a big night. Jaden Daniels, the quarterback for LSU, with a big night. This was a big night offensively. Not a lot of defense, but, uh, you know, I thought both these teams, uh, you know, had one loss. Ole Miss coming off of the Alabama loss. LSU, you know, had sort of figured some things out after that early loss to Florida state. Uh, I thought of a very important test for both these teams to see how they responded, where they were going to go this season. Impressive win for Ole Miss to bounce back after the loss to, uh, to the tide last week. Yeah. I think a big bounce back win for Ole Miss um, and a huge um, test for LSU. And I think we just got the answer. LSU is overrated. Mm, LSU yeah. is overrated. I don't think that they're, they may be a lower half of the top 25 ranked team, but they're definitely, right. they're certainly not a top 15 team in the country. Um, and that question got answered uh, on Saturday with the, with the loss to Ole Miss. So great win for Ole Miss. Um, I just love seeing any sort of competitor to Alabama's uh, path back to the top um, taken down. So yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit of a selfish, sure, a little bit of a selfish, you know, gripe there a little bit selfish. fair that's fair um down let's go over to the big 12 texas dominating kansas 
Texas yeah. dominates Kansas in this one, 40 to 14. Um, no Jalen Daniels in that game. Um, and Texas just absolutely romps over them. Um, I think what this is a Texas, I think what this says most to me is Texas belongs in that top four. Like they belong in that playoff conversation. I think there were there were there might have been a little bit of a hesitancy to really think is Texas back? Is Texas back? Is Texas back? Let's not hesitate anymore. I think Texas is all the way mm. back. They beat a really good Kansas team. Granted, without Jalen Daniels, um, but beating a Jalen Daniels team by almost thirty makes makes the argument enough to me that like you know yeah this team actually is all the way back i love this texas team um i'm gonna always give you horns down but i think that they're really really good and i think they're gonna be a a a consistent college football um contender college football playoff contender yeah i you know i i gotta admit i'm still not convinced on texas i'm very disappointed that we didn't get to see jalen daniels in this game because as great as jason bean is as a backup he's probably one of the best backups in the country just considering how much experience he has uh, as a starting quarterback he is not jalen daniels and uh, jalen daniels athleticism at the quarterback position and what it allows that kansas offense to do uh you just don't get that in the same way uh And so as a result, I feel like we missed out on what should have really been a good test for Texas. Instead, they got just an average big 12 team, right? I think at best because Kansas is not known for their defense. It's not what makes them good this year. It it is the offense. It's the explosiveness between Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal, the running back. So I look towards next week in the Red River showdown as the, as a, as the first real, I'm not going to say Texas is back. If they handle business against Oklahoma, then maybe I'll be convinced, but uh, I'm, I'm going to say uh, I wish I would have seen Jane Daniels in this game. Cause I would love to be convinced on Texas, but I can't get there quite yet. Okay. I mean, I get it. I get it. I, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Just disappointed. We didn't <laughs> see him. Cause I, you know, for, you know, whatever the injury reason, whatever, why he was held out, just disappointed. Cause it would have been a great matchup, you know, even, uh, sure, even better sure, matchup yeah. uh, with him in the lineup. Uh, last game, Mitch, ACC, Notre Dame, uh, Duke. This was uh, a big game. Uh, came down to the wire. Another uh, nail biter for the Irish. This time they come out on top after falling to Ohio State. They get it done against the Blue Devils, 21-14. to 14. Uh, Just another gritty performance for the Fighting Irish. This time it goes in their favor. They get a dub. Uh a very, very rough injury to Riley Leonard, the Duke quarterback at the end of this game. It sounds like there's some optimism. He'll be back this season at some point. It wasn't as serious as maybe it looked, but uh, Notre Dame, good win for them after the Ohio State thing. Could, you know, as far as the playoff goes, and again, they'll need a lot of teams. They'll need the Pac-12 to cannibalize itself. You know, they'll need some things to happen, but if Notre Dame gets to 11-1 and one at the end of the season, that only losses to Ohio State, they're going to have a very good case. And this Duke... Uh, win is going to be a part of that resume. So an important win for the Notre Dame fighting Irish as far as their playoff uh, resume goes. Yeah, I mean, I think Notre Dame's definitely going to have to have some, you know, going to have some things that are going to have to happen uh, for them to get into that college football playoff. But uh, for them to hang tough with this Duke team, a tough injury to Riley Leonard, but for them to hang tough with this Duke team for as long as they did pull the dub out, um, 
and I think Duke truly is a, a very, very solid football program. I really do. Um, so I think for them to get this win after the Ohio State loss, uh, which I still think was an impressive loss, mm-hmm. um, this just further solidifies their argument um, as being one of the top 10 teams in the country right now. So uh, yep. love this one for Notre Dame. Um, down top five or sorry, not top five AP poll reactions. Top five remain the same though. Utah is going to drop out of these rankings. Um, going to number 18, Oregon state and Washington state are going to move into the top 15 and then Kentucky and at number 20 and Louisville at number 25 is going to join the rankings while Kansas and Florida drop out. Um, I guess your reactions down to the to the new teams the to the new teams in the top ten, um, you, the Utah dropping out all the way down to number eighteen. Um, do you think that's warranted for them to go down that far after a loss to another ranked team in Washington State? Yeah, well, only yeah, only one new team to the top ten, and that's Notre Dame, who slides up a spot after Utah drops. Which I think the Irish at ten seems uh, seems fine. You know, Utah going from ten to eighteen. Uh, I think honestly they were being overrated for what the team is as currently constituted. I think a lot of people are looking at this team as a, as it's being quarterbacked by cam rising, but it's not as being quarterbacked by Nate Johnson and it's not nearly as good. So I think 18 is probably more realistic for what this team is as currently constructed until they get their starting quarterback uh, back on the field. So uh, yeah, I do. I do think that's fitting Washington at 13, Oregon state at 15. I think those teams definitely deserve to be up there. It just shows how strong the Pac-12 is. I mean, geez, mm-hmm. uh, all these teams moving up into the top fifteen, top twenty-five, and then even uh, and then even higher. So, uh, yeah, you know, not a lot of movement this week in the AP poll. Uh, just a few teams, but uh, we've got some more ranked matchups this week that I'm sure will uh, bring even more chaos. Oh my gosh, yeah, we're gonna have definitely some matchups that are gonna be screwing with that. And Dallin, speaking of the new top 25 rankings that leads us into the college football trivia question of the week presented by absolutely nobody Dallin. Are you ready? I am. All right. The last time this Washington, the last time Washington state finished in the top 10 of the AP top 25 was 2018 led by this head coach and this quarterback that finished fifth in Heisman voting. Mm, 2018. Okay. So this is the legendary, the pirate Mike Leach. And I'm going to say Luke Falk as his quarterback. Oh, 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 Dallin. Am I wrong? Half a point, half a point here. It is Mike Leach. Gardner Minshew. Gardner was Minshew was the quarterback. Too of that many team. of them. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, that, yeah, Gardner. Yeah, that's right. That is that right. Gardner Minshew. So that's man. I think Luke Falk is a little earlier. I think he's a little earlier than that. Just than I 2018. Think by a year. Like yeah. A year. Yeah. 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 Man, tough. Hate to see it. Gardner Minshew. I mean, that just tells you how many Washington State quarterbacks have been under Mike Leach. I mean, geez. I mean, yeah. Golly, he had so many. He had so many over there. Um. Alrighty. MVP of the week. MVP of the week, Dallin. MVP of the week for me. I'm going to go with Jalen Rayner of Arkansas State. Jalen Rayner, Arkansas State. Um, 
I'm sorry. I just, I just lost him. Just lost him. Oh. He, it, there he Jalen is. There Rainer, he is. Gone. He's, Jalen, he's, he's left the building. No, Jalen Rayner. Sorry about that. Jalen Rayner of Arkansas State getting the dub, getting the dub over Mass. UMass 52 to 28, 20 for 25, 383 with the six touchdowns and a quarterback rating down of get this 287.9. Um, extremely efficient with the football. Uh, Jalen Rander getting it done for Arkansas State. Got to give the G5 shout out. Um, great, great showing for the young man out of Arkansas State. Love it. Love it. Big game for the QB. Uh, Mitch, I'm going uh, to the SEC for my MVP this week, and I'm going with Ray Davis, the running back for the Kentucky Wildcats. They got a big win, 33-14 over number 22, Florida. And in that game, he he had 26 carries for 280 yards and three rushing touchdowns, also added a touchdown through the air. That's four touchdowns on the day, 280 rushing yards averaged. 10.8 a carry on the day. Big uh, game for Ray Davis, MVP of the week. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Down upset of the week. Why don't you take the lead on this one? Because you you got a couple games that you were feeling really, really confident about for upset of the week here. Yeah, we had some fun ones. You know, no big ranked upsets. Uh, That Kentucky game, for example, Kentucky was a favorite at home. Uh, so not an upset, even though, you know, an unranked team beat a ranked team, but a couple big lines that got split. I do want to give shout out to the biggest one this week, which was West Virginia's 24 to 21 win over TCU TCU continuing to be overrated by people based on last year, despite the fact that this roster has turned over considerably how much talent they lost to the NFL. But for some reason, we keep looking at TCU like they're, the championship team we saw from last year. But West Virginia beats them 24 to 21. Mitch TCU came into the game favored minus 14 points. So a big win for the Mountaineers who've had a good season so far. They're surprising people in the big 12 as a four and one, two and zero in big 12 play. Uh, But I want to really give this to Baylor over UCF Baylor 36, 35 over central Florida and their big 12 home debut. UCF was favored minus eight going into this game, and it looked like they were going to get that and then some. Mitch, 28 to seven. UCF led at halftime, 28 to seven. 35 to 10 was the score coming into the fourth quarter, and Baylor scored 26 unanswered to win this game. It was absolutely incredible. It looked like, uh, it looked like if you were like watching a train uh, coming towards you and there's nothing, you know, there's nothing you could do to stop this train. It is, it is coming. It is, uh, it, it's, it's, it's happening. There's nothing you could do about it. And uh, it is inevitable. It's like uh, Thanos, you know, he's like, I am inevitable. That's what it was. You could just see Baylor is just going to do this. They're going to come all the way back here and win this game. UCF knew it. Baylor knew it. Baylor got it done. So even though it wasn't a bigger line, it was an incredible game. And to come back from down 26 in the fourth and win that game. Whew, yeah, that's crazy. So upset of the week. Shout out to the Baylor Bears. Yeah, I mean, for as bad as Baylor has looked at times this year, I mean, great, great, great win for them to get it over UCF. Um, great upset of the week there. Dallin, Heisman watch 
it started. We always mm. do our Heisman watch. Um, we usually pick this up around week four or five of the college football season. We're picking it up right now, and we are starting this off, and we give, always give a top five, and it's fluid. The list is fluid. We kind of will change the list as it comes and goes. Um, but our inaugural list for 2023, Dallin, Caleb Williams at number one, Michael Penix, number two, Bo Nix of Oregon, and number three, Dylan Gabriel of Oklahoma at number four, and Quinn Ewers of Texas at number five. Um, Dallin, any justification for maybe having a potential back-to-back Heisman winner uh, right now at the top of our list? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's the clear favorite, in my opinion. And as great as Michael Penix and Bo Nix and others have been this year, Caleb Williams is doing everything that he was doing last year and then some, completing 74.5% of his passes. He's thrown for 21 touchdowns and one interception. He's rushed for three touchdowns. Those 24 touchdowns are uh, leading the country and uh, averaging 11.4 yards per attempt, 1,600 passing yards. I mean, he is looking as good as he was last year. Now he's got to continue it throughout the season, but at this moment, uh, yeah, I think you'd have to give it to Caleb Williams again because he has looked uh, just as good as he did in his Heisman campaign in 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have you have to give you have to give the big nod to Caleb Williams, but huge huge names knocking on the door of that Heisman Trophy, taking it away from Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, Caleb, or Qu- sorry, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, Dylan Dylan Gabriel, Quinn Ewers. Lots of names that are knocking on the door of that, taking that away from him. I mean, we have to talk about how good Bo Nix has been and how efficient he has been. Uh, we have them three on our list, but um, the efficiency of the way that he's take, you know, taking care of the football and, and actually you know, protected the offense in the way that he you know, takes care of the football. Um, Bo Nix has been an ex, you know, an exceptional um, piece of that Oregon offense. Yeah. And after a breakout year in 2022, he's proving that it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't just a, a lucky season uh, that this is progression from him. This is improvement from what we saw at Auburn. He's completing over 80% of his passes. Mind you, he's also attempted 165. So this isn't a guy who, who's only throwing it 15, 20 times a game. He is throwing it a lot. He's completing 80% of his passes. Uh, uh, under 1,500 passing yards, 15 touchdowns to one interception, extremely efficient, uh, taking care of the ball, uh, getting it out to the many weapons that Oregon has, and and they're making, they're getting it done. Uh, is it a surprise to you that we have three Pac-12 quarterbacks at the top of this? Yeah, actually, it is um, because we were talking about the you know the Pac-12 falling apart. They they weren't they're not going to even be a conference next year, and we're talking about three. Pac-12 quarterbacks being at the top of our Heisman watch. I mean, this is this is incredible stuff. I mean, um, and all deserving, all deserving oh, yeah. of being at the, con- at the top of that conversation um, because they're they're just putting together incredible seasons, incredible oh, yeah. seasons. Absolutely. Um, the the final two on the list, four and five: Dylan Gabriel, the Oklahoma quarterback; Quinn Ewers, the Texas quarterback. 
you know, Texas is ranked higher. I think pr- most people would probably have Quinn Ewers higher on Heisman odds. Uh, certainly more uh, of a narrative pick than Dylan Gabriel would be at the moment, considering Texas's hot start, the win over Alabama, uh, and, and what uh, what this season could hold for the Longhorns. But we have Dylan Gabriel ahead of him. Uh, I, I think I'll make a little bit of a case here because uh, I was maybe caping a little more for Dylan Gabriel in this exercise. Not somebody I thought of before we started on our Heisman watch, but I pulled numbers. I looked around, I compared and what he's done this year is incredible. Obviously Oklahoma five and Oh, he's completing 75% of his passes over 1500 passing yards over 10 yards per uh, attempt, 15 touchdowns on the, uh, through the air four on the ground. It's been, it's been a good season for the Sooners after a disappointing year last year. And so it has been for Quinn Ewers as well. His completion percentage is considerably lower than a lot of these guys. Uh, you know, so his passing yards a little bit lower. Touchdown is not as high. So maybe he doesn't have the stats yet. That can that can come. But a big opportunity for both of these quarterbacks, Mitch, coming up on Saturday. Because Oklahoma is going to face Texas. And if either of these guys want to give themselves a Heisman moment this year, this game could very much be that moment. So... A big opportunity for both those guys to make their case on Saturday. Big, big, big opportunity. Big opportunity for them to prove their case. Absolutely. Um, Dallin, let's get into the games to watch this week. Um, for those that don't know, we pick our games. We pick five games. Uh, one point for the win. Um no points for the loss, but if we lock our picks, which is we're locking the spread as well as the win, we get three points. If we lose that lock pick, we get minus one on the week down last week. I had six points. I figured out how to pick college football games again. Um, you wound up with one. You still have the pretty sizable lead of 12 to eight over me. Um, and a good slate of games, a good slate of games that we have coming up this week here in week five. Yeah. And as you can see, it could change a lot can change in one week, a five point swing for Mitch last week puts him right back in this. It was a, it was a sizable deficit you were in. It was not looking good, but you made a push. Maybe you're Baylor in the fourth quarter. Maybe, maybe you're, maybe, maybe you're, you're, maybe you're coming for the, uh, for the, for the win here. We'll see. But uh Yeah. Great games ahead, Mitchell. Let's start in the SEC with uh, the first edition of Georgia on our picks uh, because, as we mentioned earlier, they haven't really played anybody. Uh, First-ranked matchup for the Bulldogs, number one in the country. They will be hosting the 5-0 and Kentucky Wildcats. Georgia favored in this game, minus 14 and a half. Uh, I will start off our picks here. I'm going to pick the Dogs. I'm not locking this line. I don't I don't really want much of this, to be honest, because uh, we don't really know much about Georgia yet. We really, frankly, don't. Uh, we'll, we'll learn, hopefully, some more about them this Saturday, but uh, I will pick them to win this game at home. Yeah, we don't know much about Georgia. They seem... I'm, I'm not sure I'm all in on Carson Beck. I don't know if they still have the same sort of the, the same sort of build that they had during their national championship runs over the last two years. Everything wants me to take every 
fiber in my body wants me to take Kentucky in this game. I'm going to take Georgia, but I don't think this is a a blowout. I think this is a really close game. And I would not be upset if I lost this pick. I wouldn't be. I mean, this would be... Of course not. (laughs) This would be a really fun pick to lose. So I'm going to take Georgia, but I'm not going to take them to cover here. So... Um, Dallin, after that, we got number 24, Fresno State. Fresno State going to take on Wyoming, 4-1. and one. Fresno right now favored at minus 6. A very fun G5 conference matchup um, between Fresno State and Wyoming. I'm going to take Wyoming in this one, Dallin. Wow. I'm going to take Wyoming... To get this one done, no rhyme or reason why, but I think that there is a there's a huge track record of when G five schools sneak their way into the top twenty five, they find a way to get upset by their own kind. Basically, mm-hmm. they get they get a way they find a way to get upset by another good G five school. Give me Wyoming over Fresno State. You know, that's fair. If you're Wyoming in the Mountain West, you're not getting many opportunities at a ranked opponent. So when those teams come on your schedule, and particularly when they're a conference rival, a conference foe, you're even more motivated to knock them off. And it will be quite the test for the Bulldogs on the road in Laramie for this game against Wyoming. Uh, And Wyoming, an impressive team this year. 4-1 and on the season. Their lone loss came at Texas. They beat Texas Tech to start the season. We all remember that. Good win against Appalachian State as well. Uh, I think this is a very tough test for Fresno State, Mitch, but I am rolling with Fresno State in this one. I will take the favorites. Uh, Mikey Keene in this offense is uh, dynamic. It's dynamite, and it will battle a tough Wyoming defense, but I think Fresno State comes out on top. I'm not locking it. Because I think it's closer than six points. This is going to be a tight two, three-point win for Fresno State. But, uh, yeah, I will take Fresno State to get this one done. Mitch, SEC matchup, another one on board for us. Uh, A team we've talked about quite a bit on the picks, LSU. They're number 23 now in the country at three and two. And they're on the road to face a surprising and upcoming Missouri team. Um, the, the Tigers, 5-0 and on the season. They're ranked number 21 in the country, and they'll be uh, hosting LSU this week. LSU favored on the road, minus 6.5 points. Missouri, are they real? Are they not LSU? Tough loss to Ole Miss last week. How do they bounce back? I'm not a believer in LSU, Mitch. You know that I've been I've been adamant on that in the beginning of the season. I was adamant on that in that Florida State LSU game. I said Florida State would get it done. LSU was one of the more likely teams to drop out of the rankings completely after starting the season in the top 10. And I'm sticking with it. Give me Missouri. I mean, let's just preface this. I would love I love to be on the same boat as you right now. Missouri. (laughs) I love it. The question is whether or not I lock the deal. Ooh. Okay. Hmm. Cause I kind of like the spread. I kind of like and a half. six and a half. It's spicy. It's tasty. Do I want it? It'd be plus six and a half. I'm going to take Missouri, but no lock Missouri, but no lock. Okay. I'm going to do. 
Missouri no lock. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah, I think that's going to be a fantastic game. And you know what? It, if we have Missouri in future games and they pull this one off, I might start locking Missouri. We'll find out. We'll find out. But big test. Dallin, another big game that we coming out. A couple, uh, an independent um, with a former independent. Uh, the number ten Notre Dame five and one taking on number twenty five Louisville at five and zero. Oh. Right now, Notre Dame uh, favorite at minus six and a half. This Notre Dame team is still really, really, really good. And I think that they're my favorite lock. So I'm going to take Notre Dame at minus six and a half with mm. the lock over Louisville. I think wow. Louisville's really good, but I think a touchdown game is just about right. Just about right of a difference uh, in this game. So give me give me the fight in Irish uh, with a lock here. Okay, Mitch takes Notre Dame in this one on the road. Louisville 5 and 0. They've showed a lot of offensive firepower to start this season, obviously not against great competition. But last week on the road at NC State, they eke out a 13 to 10 win. I thought impressive to see them win in a different manner. You know, test yourself a little differently. This was one of our most disrespected teams in the ACC coming into this season, Mitch. Uh, we talked about this team quite a bit. We talked about Jeff Brom coming over from Purdue and how disrespected this team was. I think this is a big opportunity for Louisville to prove themselves. And I think they get it done. Taking Louisville, taking the Cardinals in this one. Love it. Love it. Final matchup, Mitch. We've alluded to this game many a time. It is here, the Red River Showdown. Red River rivalry, I guess they call it. Used to be the Red River Shootout. I uh, can't call it that anymore. I thought it was Showdown, but I guess it's Red River rivalry, which that's too much alliteration. I love alliteration. Wait, why, why, why can't you call it Shootout? I don't know. They changed it, Mitch. Don't oh, ask okay. me. I don't make the rules. Right. But it's nah. the Red River rivalry, which you can't say that three times. Fine. Three times fast. Red River Rivalry. Red River Rivalry. Nope. Exactly. See, that's what I'm saying. It's an it's awful name. But anywho, uh, either way, awful name, great matchup. Number 12, Oklahoma. Number three, Texas. Uh, taking place at the Cotton Bowl. Big time game. Big time game. Dylan Gabriel versus Quinn Ewers. Uh, two teams heading to the SEC next year looking to place their final mark on the Big 12 before they head out and win the Big 12 this season. Texas favored minus six and a half in this game with the home field advantage in Texas. I'm not, a, I, I said this earlier, Mitch, I'm not a Texas truther. I'm not a Texas believer yet. I want to see it. I want to see it over the course of the season. I'm not buying into the hype till it's proven, but I'm also not a believer in Oklahoma. I also think Oklahoma is a fraud this year and that they are an overinflated team by a horrible schedule they played to start this year. Their offense looks so good, but in reality, they were playing nobody. They played a tough Cincinnati defense guy held to 20 points. I think this Oklahoma team is vulnerable. I'm taking Texas and I'm locking the Longhorns. Texas minus six and a half. Give me Texas by two touchdowns over Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, I'm. This was the other game that I was going to lock here, Dallin. This, if I didn't lock Notre Dame, I was going to lock Texas because, look, I'm not a believer in Brent Venables either. 
Like, I'm just not. No. I don't think that he has the right formula. I don't think he has the right thing going on at Oklahoma. It's just, it just doesn't feel right. It's a great start for this program. They probably are going to be a top 25 team by the end of the year, but 12 seems a little bit high. Texas, I do think, is all the way back. Um, and so I'm going to go with Texas in this game. Love it. Okay. Both picking the Longhorns. A little Love different that. on our picks, but uh, we have some similarities as well. Still some chances for a swing. We'll see how uh, we'll see how the next week fares for us. Absolutely. Yes, we will see how that works out for us, Dallin. And with those picks, that's going to wrap up the first half of the show. Um, first half of the show is in the books, guys. Stick around for the back half of the show because you're not going to want to miss that. We're going to have the who the hell is that? We're going to have a sports hour draft, a draft. We haven't had one of those in a while. And then we're going to have a week four recap in the NFL and our quick picks around at the show. So stick around and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the second half of the sports hour with Mitch Mo and Dallin. Gotta appreciate that smooth jazz from DOPE. Oh yeah, turn it back up there. Turn it back My up. Bad. Let it go. My bad. <laughs> uh got guys, great second half that we have coming up here. We're gonna do a little who's the hell is that? A little draft. 
little NFL recap. And we got our quick picks coming up as well. Dallin, though, let's get the juices flowing as far as names go. Let's play a little game of who the hell is that? Let's um, do it. Look, you, you've been on a red hot start mm. um, over the last few months. few months we've been doing this. You seem like you get it in the first or second try. I'm going to try to test you just a little bit. Just uh, a little bit. And we're going to go back to the NBA. Go, Going to go, go back to the NBA here. Um, so, Dallin, are you ready? I think so. I think so. All right. All right let's go. Dallin, this NBA player had the career path of Sacramento, Houston, Minnesota, Houston, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, San Antonio. Okay, can you repeat that again? I'll I'll repeat that one more time. Sacramento, Houston, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, San Antonio. Okay. Okay. Hmm, that is interesting. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with, for my initial guess, um, we're going to go Luke Mbamute. Wow, that's, uh, that's a deep <laughs> pull. I've never heard of that guy, but no, that is incorrect. <laughs> um Good deep pull, deep pull there, Don. <laughs> um, here's a too deep, here, my bad. A little too deep. Uh, this guy was no stranger to scoring, though, and I will give you this mm. percent is that he averaged 17 points or better in 10 out of his 14 seasons in the NBA. Ooh. Hmm. Sacramento, Houston, OKC, Minnesota, San Antonio. Yep. DeMarcus Cousins? No, that is not going to be DeMarcus Cousins. I didn't feel good about that one Um, for like the Lakers. So this zero-time All-Star, never made an All-Star team. Uh, was the first round pick 26 overall in the 2004 NBA draft. Two thousand and four. I don't feel good about this. Darren Collison. Ooh, that's another really good guess. Not correct. I love that guess though because he he was a king and I think he was a rocket as well. Mm. So um, that is a great pick. Um, but Dallin, here's our last pick. Here's our um, last hint, and I think this should help a lot. Okay. This nickname, his this player's nickname, is also the name of a now defunct store chain. Oh God. Uh, I don't think that's, I don't know if that helps me. <laughs> I'm like, 
Oh man. Um, I thought this might have helped. <laughs> so. No, I I'm so bad at stuff like um. Who? I'll give you another hint, Dallin. Yeah, I got honestly, I got nothing on it. I'm fucking yeah. I got he no idea. He shares a name with one of our fourth grade teachers. <laughs> I love that. I love how niche that is, and now I'm just trying to think of freaking fourth grade. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, Uh, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't. Th- I don't think I'm gonna get this. Um, I feel horrible about this. I'm gonna say Danny Granger. No, not Danny Granger. Down. This is Kevin Martin. Kevin Martin. Kevin Martin. Wow. There you go. Kmart. Kmart. Sacramento King. Kmart. Averaging, averaging, you know, 22, 23 points a game uh, throughout his career over there in. Sacramento. He actually has some big seasons um, in Houston, um, but was never a an all star. Um, he also shares a name with one of our fourth grade teachers that we should have had, but we had Miss Bridges instead. See, that's right. Miss that's Bridges right. Instead, so, and that was the only name I could remember from fourth grade. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It's not Bridges. <laughs> I definitely know that. <laughs> but anyway, oh, anyway, down. Yeah, love it. Was, uh, love it. Was, uh, the challenge, I guess. Kevin Martin. Kevin there you Martin. go. Kevin Martin. But, uh, Dallin, let's get into the draft of the week. And, look, we drafted this specific topic a while back, and we knew that we couldn't just do one edition of this. We had to do multiple. So we're going to be drafting the best nicknames of all time. 2.0. 2.0. Let's call it 2.0. Um, we've been working on our lists. We have also solidified the fact that um, any nickname we have drafted before now off limits because there's too many, too many good ones that we have to uh, go after and try to get on our team. So um, we have to figure out who's going first, though. I have no idea who's going first. It's been so long since we had a draft. That is a great point. Yeah, that we um, don't know who's going first. I have no idea who goes first. So um I'll do the gentleman thing. You go first. Maybe I don't like that. Maybe I don't like that. Um okay. I actually think I went first last time on this draft, which is oh. fine. I'll go okay. first again. That's okay. I like okay. that. I'll I will take your gentlemanly uh offer and All I right. will go first. Uh best nicknames in sports, very broad. Very open. I'm going to read. How about this? I'm going to give you guys. These are our lists from last time. So in case you forgot or maybe you didn't listen to that episode, our first version of the best nicknames. This was Mitch's top five from one to five. We had George Babe Ruth, uh, Dale Earnhardt, the Intimidator, Hakeem, the Dream, Olajuwon, uh, Sweetness, Walter Payton, and the Hick from French Lick, Larry Bird. My top five was Irving Magic Johnson, Primetime Deion Sanders, uh, White Chocolate Jason Williams. Uh, Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, and he hate me, Rod Smart. So uh, those are the names that we came up with last time. Lots of good ones, even more good ones to come. And uh, to start, Mitch, this is a name that, honestly, in retrospect, I was mad that not only did I not include in the list, 
I didn't even have this in my broad list of names that I, the, the pool that I picked from last time. Somehow I missed this name. One of my favorite names in all of sports history. And when you can say one word and everybody knows who or what you're talking about, that is iconic, right? And when you hear Megatron, you know that you're not talking about a damn transformer. You're talking about Calvin Johnson. So I'm going Calvin Johnson, AKA Megatron with my first pick. I mean, I love that. I love that. And he was on my list. He was on my list, but, um, I just, you know, you know, just as well as all the listeners out there know, I tend to dig a little bit deeper. And so, like, I love that pick because that is a clear top five pick. Like, just you have to have that on your team. But um, I went a little bit direction, a little bit of a different direction. Damn good pick for me to start off the draft. Okay, well, where are you going, number one? Look, I... Another one that I think I backed off of in the first draft. Um, have to do it now. I'm going to go with Jerome, the bus, Bettis. Yeah. I have to go with the bus. I mean, just like, just a, a large human being that is going to bust through the offensive line and, and, and just ruin your day. Dallin, if you were standing in the hole trying to tackle Jerome Bettis, wouldn't that ruin your day? Like absolutely that would, wouldn't. It absolutely would. Jerome Bettis is the epitome of that. I have to take him at the bus. Have yeah, the bus is a classic, uh, uh, a classic nickname. One of the best. One of the best. All righty. Um, so on the turn, I'm going to go with a fun one here. This one's kind of fun. Um, I'm going to go with Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare. (laughs) Christian Okoye, running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. I know this is kind of an obscure one, um, but I love this nickname. I love it. And a lot of a lot of there's a lot of players in the in the NFL today that come from Nigerian descent. And they point to Christian Okoye as kind of the leader of that that push of, you know, these uh you know these nigerian players that are coming into the nfl um and he also just had a awesome night you know he had an awesome nickname the nigerian nightmare number 35 with the neck roll he's six foot three and 240 pounds running downhill at you yeah he's a nightmare to tackle why wouldn't you be scared of this guy i gotta go with christian okoye the nigerian nightmare nice i like it I like Probably going to last until round five, NF- but I don't care. I want yeah, a couple NFL it. running backs off the bat for Mitch. Actually, all three picks in the NFL so far. Uh, we were very basketball heavy on our first list, which I noticed. Yes. So that was kind of interesting. And there's a lot of really good basketball nicknames. Uh, in fact, I think I'm going to just go ahead and, and take one here uh, as I'm up with my second pick. And uh, one of my favorite players of all time, one of the GOATs. Rest in power, Kobe. I'm going Black Mamba. Mm. Black Mamba is just a classic. Uh, we, we talked about this last time. There's different types of nicknames, right? There's there's some funny nicknames, you know, that, you know, maybe they they play on physical appearance. You know, if you're big, you're the bus, the fridge, you know, the 
uh, big poppy, things like that. And then there's some that just are supposed to intimidate, you know, strike fear in your opponent, the intimidator, Dale Earnhardt, a great example of that black Mamba, uh, one of the deadliest snakes in the world. Uh, Kobe with that killer instinct. It, it perfectly summarizes Kobe as a player and as a competitor and the bite that he had and the fire that he played with. So love black Mamba. Uh, I will pick that number two. The killer instinct of Kobe. I mean, just it, it's perfectly personified in black Mamba. Perfectly personified. Love that. Love that pick. Um, go ahead. Damn, back up. I'm back up. And, uh, you know, We've talked about a lot of NFL already. You've taken two NFL running backs. Why don't I add uh, my own NFL running back here with uh, Beast Mode? I'm taking mm. Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch with my pick. Because, uh, again, like that phrase, you can just say Beast Mode. And people know that you're talking about a player, a guy, a, a player named Marshawn Lynch with the one of the most iconic plays in NFL history and NFL playoff history with the beast quake run in that playoffs against the saints. Uh, when your nickname comes from an iconic moment like that, it's just, it's incredible. Beast mode is a great nickname for a great player. So yeah, I'll take that number three. Yeah. I mean, he's just, I mean, beast mode's the perfect, the perfect personification of what that guy does. I mean, he just yeah. absolutely <laughs> dominates people. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, I'm going to go with a baseball nickname here. And I, one that I was really disappointed I didn't even mention in the past. I'm going to go with Ted Williams, the Splendid Splinter. Okay. The Splendid Splinter, Ted Williams, the greatest hitter to ever live. Um, which I think is just kind of a fun kind of play on words of like, you're, you're, you know, you're swinging the splinter, you're swinging the stick. Um, you swing in the wood. Um, Ted Williams was just, he was the greatest hitter to ever live. And I think the splendid splinter is a very fitting nickname for him. So I'm going to pick, I'm going to go ahead and pick him here. I like it. One of those classic nicknames, like those old, those old baseball nicknames are fun. Uh, they have like a different vibe to them for sure. And that's certainly the splendid splinter. Uh, definitely one of those. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to go. So with my fourth pick, I'm going to go, I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit here because we decided that we're going to do, we were, we, we were going to do units here, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, anything go, you could do I'm, any sports nickname. I'm going to go with the Showtime Lakers. Uh, damn you. Damn you. I'm going to go with the Showtime Lakers. Um, look, they were Showtime when they were on yeah, match. So Jake. I mean, just, just incredible. Just incredible, Dallin. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. You know, I picked Magic Johnson. He was the leader of the Showtime Lakers. Picked him in the last draft. And uh, yes, that was on my short list. I was probably going to take the Showtime Lakers. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. Just don't take mine. <laughs> just don't, don't take my last pick, please. Okay. Well, I probably won't because God knows who what you're going to pull out here for the last one. Uh, but uh, I've got back-to-back picks here. This is, this is interesting. I've got one in mind I know for sure I want to go with. I have, a, I have a unit name that I like, but I don't think I'm going to pick it here. I don't think I'm going to go with it. 
we'll just leave it. Maybe we'll mention it in the honorable mentions. Hmm. Tricky, tricky, tricky. Okay, I got one. I got one. I'm going to go number four here. I'm going to go with Carnell Cadillac Williams. Mm, that's a good I love, one. I love this nickname because I'm not going to lie. I had to look up whether his name was actually Cadillac because I had just always associated him as Cadillac Williams to the point that, like, you know, nowadays, like, you don't question. People are named all kinds of crazy shit. You know, I, you got, like, Equimenia St. Brown in the NFL. So like I'm in Ross St. Yeah, Brown. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything. So I like he, I forgot he that's not his name. His name is Carnell. He got the nickname of Cadillac in college from a TV sportscaster who said he was he ran smooth like a Cadillac. And then it stuck. And now he's like, I feel like, you know, I'm sure other people maybe know his name's Carnell, but I feel like he is only Cadillac Williams. When your nickname becomes so good, it becomes your name a la Magic Johnson, uh, you know, it's a pretty damn good nickname. So more of an underrated one, more of like a college football poll there, the old Auburn running back, now uh, now a, a coach at Auburn, I believe, on their staff, or at least a coach yes, somewhere in yes, college football. Yeah. I think he's at Auburn. But, uh, yeah, I'll go Carnell Cadillac Williams, number four. Love that. Love that. Okay. Uh, that leaves me with the last one, Mitch, number five. And uh, we talked about branching out a little bit on this time outside of just players. You mentioned units. You mentioned the Showtime Lakers. How about venues, Mitch? Ooh. How about stadiums? Oh, I'm going with the Swamp. Football, Florida football's home in Gainesville. Give me the Swamp for number five. Wow. And my pick of the best nicknames in sports. That's an incredible. I mean, we you know that's I'm, I'm a particular. Pull. I love the it. Swamps of Jacksonville. So why not you know not show some love for the swamp of Florida, the Gators? Dallin, that's that's a hell of a pick. That's a hell of a pick. Love, love, love that pick. The swamp, University of Florida. That's Let's great. Go. Love it, love it. Um, Dallin, I would be remiss if we were going to do. Um, nicknames of teams or units. If I didn't take this one, because I know we suck, we're really bad. Like we're the worst team in football right now. But at one point, we were monsters, and that's why I'm taking the monsters of the midway, the Chicago Bears of the mid '80s. Yeah. I have to take the monsters of the midway. I mean, just great. Have to take it. Have to, have to, have to take it. Um, I know we suck right now, but damn it. (laughs) One of these days, I may be old and gray when this happens, but we will be there as the top team in the NFL. Just, it's going to take time. It's going to take time, (laughs) but as far as nicknames go, I have to take the Monsters of the Midway as my fifth pick. I love that. That's such a good pick, and it's such an iconic nickname. I feel like the 80s had a had a nice grouping of, of fun little team unit nicknames, and we've seen that revived in some recent years in the NFL, but uh, Monsters of the Midway, that's a great one. And I hope for yeah. your sake, you know, you get to see that again. And uh, I, maybe I hope so. sooner than when you're old and gray. I hope so, Dallin. I don't know if I... <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't know if it's sooner rather than later, but you know, <laughs> we'll see that. We'll see you later. Um, Dallin, let's go through our picks down and let's have you start, you know, started off. What were your five picks here through the sports hard draft this week? Okay. Yeah. Best nicknames in sports 2.0. I had the number one overall pick and my picks are as follows. I had Calvin Johnson, AKA Megatron at number one. Black Mamba, Kobe Bryant, number two. Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch at number three. Carnell Cadillac Williams at number four. And The Swamp, the Florida Gators football stadium at number five. All right. I had Jerome the Bus Bettis. I had Christian Okoye, the Nigerian Nightmare. Um, I had the Splendid Splinter, Ted Williams. Uh, number four, I had the Showtime Lakers. And number five, I had the Monsters of the Midway, the Chicago Bears. Yeah, those are great. That's another gr- solid group I of mean, names. We could do oh 3.0, 4.0. We could do all of these, man. Those <laughs> nicknames are endless. Don't give up on the nicknames, folks, because there's probably another one coming down the pike somewhere down the road. Um but this was a great, great list from us. Oh, yeah. I do want to ask. Uh, I won't make you give away all of your honorable mentions, but uh, we talked about you. Did you come up with any other units or team nicknames or any outside of player nicknames that you were considering here? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was the Steel Curtain. There was okay. the, pur- yep. the Purple People Eaters. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the Greatest Show on Turf. Yeah. The Legion of Boom. The, Legion the of Hogs. Boom. The hogs, yep. Uh, the fearsome foursome, yeah. Uh, murderers row, the bash bros, the Bronx bombers, yeah. I mean, there was there was so many what about the Fab Five, the Michigan the fab, basketball oh my God, team. I didn't even have yeah. that one. That's a great the other, one. The other one that I thought of a long time alongside the Showtime Lakers, Mitch, the Bad Boy Pistons. I, oh, I almost picked boys. them. I almost yeah. picked them as well because I thought that that was. I mean, that's just an iconic. We always know that era, and it. it it almost exemplifies an era of basketball in a way, the physical, you know, nature that they played that with so. 90 to 95 era. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that was fun. That was fun. Branching out into the units and then stadiums. And I will nice say one, one personal name that I really wanted to take mm. that was outside of kind of the normal realm of sports that you should take Jack Nicholas, the golden bear. Oh Yeah. Really yeah. wanted to take that one, um, but didn't quite outshine the, I guess the other options out there. But Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Another great draft. And uh, yes, I'm sure we will see a 3.0 version of this uh, in the future. Oh, yeah. We, we have to. Have to. Have to. Have to. Dallin, it is NFL recap time. NFL week four. Um. Your most impressive team, Dallin, because we're going to do this superlative style again. We're going to do this um, pretty much this way throughout the course of the season. It's just a great way for us to break down the NFL week in a succinct fashion. Um, Dallin, let's get this started with the most impressive team. Who was your most impressive team of the week for week four? Yeah, you know, I thought there were quite a few impressive teams uh, from this week in the NFL. But uh, there was a very impressive comeback on Sunday that I do want to give some credit to. And this is a team that was down tremendous after giving up 70 points 
to the Miami Dolphins last week. And then the Broncos take on the Chicago Bears and they're trailing 21 to seven at halftime. And it's like, here we go again. Here we go again. Denver's down bad, but a lot of fight from Russell Wilson, a lot of fight from Sean Payton's squad in his defense. They step up. They get him his first win as a Broncos head coach. They win this one 31-28 in comeback fashion over the Chicago Bears. I'm most impressed by this, Mitch, because, yeah, the Bills were impressive this week. Yeah, the Cowboys were impressive this week. I expect those to be good teams. Denver looked, they gave up 70 points last week. I mean, you can't get any lower than that. So to then be down big in the second half yet again, but show the resilience to come back and win this game. Very impressive for Denver. Very impressive for the Sean Payton team. And it's exactly what they needed because had they lost another one, especially to Chicago, whew, I think uh, I think we'd be seeing Russ get the hell out of here, like time to blow it up. I think you'd see panic mode in Denver. So not only a big win, an important win for Denver. So. I'll give I'll give it to the Broncos. You didn't have to do that. I mean, you didn't have to do that. What talk about Denver? You know, there is no, they're no, no. You know what you were doing with talking about Denver? You're bringing up the Bears. Well, I didn't bring really... up the Bears. How bad they are! This was a battle of the two worst teams in the NFL, and now it's I guess it's solidified. We're the worst team in the NFL. <laughs> we're the worst team in the NFL. It's solidified. You knew what you were doing. I, you know, I didn't mention the Bears very much at all. You gave me a great stat. What was the stat about this loss for the Bears? 21 points. That was the biggest loss of the biggest blown lead in franchise history <laughs> and also led to their 14th consecutive loss, which mm. now puts them officially over halfway to the longest the longest losing streak in franchises or the longest streak in NFL history, which is 26 games by the expansion Buccaneers. So that's where we're at right now. I can't hmm. believe you'd put me in that position down. I, I didn't even, I wasn't going to make you talk about the bears at all. Well, stop it. <laughs> oh, stop Mid, it. Mid, you did this you on in, purpose. Who are you impressed with this week? The Texans. The Texans, yes, yeah, they were impressive. Yeah, I mean, they were great. They were great. I'll tell you what, I love Nick. I love having Nico Collins on a fantasy team right now. Oh my God, CJ Stroud is finding his stride, man. They're they're he is finding his stride, and the Texans. I mean, they're at least a few years away from being a serious contender and winning team, but they show flashes. And they can they can win some sneaky games this year. I, I'm really impressed with what the Texans have done. Really impressed with what the Texans have done. Yeah. Um, Houston's off to a very good start. This offense has looked really good. C.J. Stroud has been the best rookie quarterback by far to start this season. A lot of credit needs to go to Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator there with this new staff, and how quickly things have gelled how quick how much control cj stroud looks like he's in i mean you see that a lot with rookies they just look like they don't have a full sense of the offense they don't have full comfort full confidence in everything that's happening the reads they need to make the calls they need to make 
but you're seeing a lot of confidence out of Stroud and he's playing like, and he's playing at a high level, Uh big 30 to six win over Pittsburgh this week. I mean, AFC South could be wide open. I mean, I know Jacksonville's good, but they're not unbeatable. Perhaps Houston makes a little bit of noise. I had him a seven and 10 this season. I'm just saying I was, I was saying they're not going to be bottom. So I'm just, I'm going to pump that now. I'm, I'm taking credit for it now. Week, week five. Hey, you might as well take your credit <laughs> now because, like, they could go. They they could go lose their last. You know, their their next ten, but they could win their next six out of their next ten. So true. Might as well true. take. Might as well take the credit while you can. Yeah, Mitch, um, your most disappointing team. It did coincide with this game, so I'll let you go ahead and yeah. And that, it was the Steelers, man. I mean, yeah, just, Steelers look so bad. Um, I know Kenny Pickett's uh, got the knee issue and Godspeed. Hopefully he recovers, uh, ho- recovers well and, and is back on the field uh, sooner rather than later. But um, we knew the Steelers were going to struggle. I just didn't think that, I guess this combination with, with the Texans that they were going to, I don't know, be this bad. I didn't think the Steelers were going to be this bad. I thought that might hang around and look more impressive in the two and two record, but they look pretty pathetic through a two and two record so far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dominated by the Niners in that, in that opening game, dominated by the Texans in this game. And they eked out wins against the Browns and the Raiders. Uh, And yeah, this offense, I mean, the defense is very good. It still remains to be very good. When you have as much talent as they have on that side of the ball, you're going to be a good team. The offense, though, as much talent as they may have, is absolutely handicapped by Matt Canada in his horrible offense, his absolutely unimaginative, uh, rudimentary offense. And it's absolutely holding this team back. It held back Big Ben at the end of his tenure there. It's holding back Kenny Pickett. And until that changes, this offense is never going to be any better than what it looks like right now even with the healthy picket, even with more wide receivers, better offensive line, this offense is holding this team back. And it's sad because they have the pieces to be a playoff team. They really do, uh, even in a competitive AFC. But uh, too many things uh, working against them in this case, I think. So, uh, yeah, hate to see a bad loss to the Texans. Bad, bad, bad. Mitch, my most disappointing team this week uh, also uh, came from the AFC North. I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals. And they, listen, I have to I have to pick the Bengals here first off because not only did I pick them to win the Super Bowl this year, but I also picked Joe Burrow to win the MVP. I picked Jamar Chase to be Offensive Player of the Year. I went all in on Cincinnati. And how does the sixth best city in Ohio repay me, Mitch? How does that garbage city with their stupid chili spaghetti, how do they repay me? By starting the season one and three, looking god awful. I mean, they barely got a win last week. They're one and three on this season. They got smoked by the Titans, by Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and the Titans. It's not 2019, it's 2023, and you're losing to them. I mean, what is happening in Cincinnati besides a lucky win against the Rams when their defense, when the Bengals' defense showed up? They haven't been able to do anything. And yeah, Joe Burrow isn't healthy. Don't play him if he's going to be this bad. T Higgins can't catch a pass. This offensive line isn't playing well. It's it's bad in Cincinnati because the AFC is a tough place to play this year. And it's not going to get any easier for, for the Bengals. 
So to start the season one in three, when you still got the Niners, you've still got the Bills, you've still got the Chiefs. Like you've got the rest of this division, multiple AFC North games against tough teams. Like the playoff picture is suddenly getting tighter and tighter already for this Bengals team that should be Super Bowl contenders. Big disappointment in this week in their uh, 27 to three loss to Tennessee and just a big disappointment to start the season. One of the biggest. Did you just call Cincinnati the sixth best city? I did. I put, I moved, I moved Dayton and I moved Toledo ahead of them, Mitch. That's how mad I am. So wait, rank your top five. Cleveland, Cleveland, Columbus. Okay. Then we're going to go to uh, Youngstown third. Uh We would normally go to Cincinnati fourth because they're the fourth best city, but they they're now behind Toledo at four. Dayton at five, Cincinnati at six. I can't believe you didn't put Akron up there. They have the NFL Hall of Fame. Akron is Akron does not. Canton does. And Canton, yeah, should probably be higher. Akron uh is Akron's <laughs> Akron's mid. I've been to Akron. Akron's mid. You heard me. All right, I meant Canton. I meant Canton. Yeah. Canton it. should be higher. You're absolutely right. Canton, uh, you know what? Cincinnati's seven. Canton, Canton's got to be in the top five. Okay. So moving them down. There we yeah, go. There we it's go. Uh, I'm 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 mad at Cincinnati. I mean, I went all in, Mitch. I went all in on the Bengals. I mean, happening. I don't blame you. I don't blame you one bit. Make, making me look a fool. Um, down overreactions of the week. Overreactions of the week. Um, the Bills are still the team to beat in the AFC East. Hmm. I'm gonna go with that. Uh, yeah. The big stomp down, 48-20 over the over the Miami Dolphins. Um, I know there's a lot of hype surrounding the Dolphins and and what they were able to do over the first few weeks. Uh, you know, they had the big win over the Broncos, 70 to 20. But I think if the Bills proved anything, they're still the most well built team. Like they're the most complete team in that division. The Dolphins. Darn it, their offense is really damn good. Defense isn't quite there. The Bills, really, really well built. I'm going to go with the Bills in that division over the Dolphins. I think Monday through Sunday, every day of the week, I'm going to go with the Bills over the Dolphins. Um, And I still think that they're the team to beat in the AFC East. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Both teams are 3-1 and to start the season. Head-to-head matchup. Bills dominated a 48-20 to win. And yeah, I think the Dolphins are still uh, a work in progress in that sense, where maybe Buffalo is more of a finished product uh, as far as what they are, a fully well-rounded team. Uh, And frankly, they have the best player in the division in Josh Allen. And when you have the best player in the division at the most important position, you know, that's going to give you a big uh, leg up over the competition and, you know, I think that that shows as great as Tua is. And listen, I've been a Tua defender and he's been great this year. Obviously, he is limited uh, in what he can do on his own as a creator, as a work outside of uh, structure and make plays. That's that's one of his biggest detriments when he's working within a system. He's one of the best. But uh, Josh Allen can do beyond that. And uh, you saw a little bit of that in this game. And that's something the Dolphins will have to figure out. Uh, if they want to be true Super Bowl contenders. So mm-hmm. uh, I like that. I don't think that's an overreaction. I think that's a fair take after, you know, listen, New England's one in three. The Jets lost Aaron Rodgers. They're one in three. So clearly those teams aren't competing with you this year. So it's really between Buffalo and Miami. So, yeah, 
I think that I think you're right. Right. My overreaction. Um man, uh Mitch. This uh I really just want to take this moment to talk about this uh rookie draft class. <laughs> Cause these rookies this year have been absolutely incredible. It feels like every week, I mean, frankly, like every game we're talking about some rookie falling out, whether it's the BYU legend Puka Nakua, you know, being a top five receiver to start this season, whether it's CJ Stroud having a great season to start Monday night, it was Devin Witherspoon, the number five overall pick for Seattle, making big plays on Monday night football. Uh, We've seen uh, Christian Gonzalez have a great start to his season before he got injured. We've seen Zay Flowers take on a big role with Baltimore. This draft class in 2023, which we already knew was a pretty good draft class, a very solid draft class. A lot of people griped on the top end talent, the superstar talent at the top, but there was no question about the depth of this draft class. And it is proving itself early in this season uh, with the way all of these rookies, both top draft picks and mid-round draft picks are performing. I say this is the best draft class since... 2011, you we talked about this a little bit. You mentioned 04. Uh, that's like the Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger. That's a big draft. 2011 was Cam Newton, Von Miller, J.J. Watt, Patrick Peterson, Julio Jones, uh, in the all in the top 10. I mean, we're talking about some stacked classes. And again, maybe this draft class doesn't have the top end talent, but man, the depth is there. We're seeing these guys. I mean, Devon Achan. Right. Puka Nakua, Michael Wilson goes off this week, the rookie wide receiver out of uh, Arizona. Again, it's like every team has somebody just balling out uh, and you love to see it. So I'm impressed by the rookies. I love it. I love the impression. Yeah. You know, the impression the rookies are making here. Um, definitely going to be in the conversation of one of the, one of the best, uh, one of the best rookie classes that we've had in a long time. Um, that's absolutely going to be part of the conversation. So love, love, love that overreaction. I don't think that's a reaction at all. Um, I think that they're going to be definitely regarded as one of the best overreactions or excuse me. Um, One of the best rookie classes that we've had in a long time is going to be this draft class in particular. Um, MVP of the week, Dallin. Um, you've had a couple. Um, I had one, and it's a guy that you just mentioned oh, of this rookie class. I had Puka Nakua. Mm. Puka Nakua, uh, nine for 163, getting his first career touchdown um, against the Indianapolis Colts in a win in a winning effort, 29-23 over the Colts. Uh, Puka has been not just fantastically productive on the football field but like he's been a fancy football darling i mean <laughs> yes. this guy is like i am so glad i drafted him in one of our dynasty leagues um but he is one of those guys that like just darn it he gets the job done and you love you love to see the numbers that he's putting out um one of those guys that gets the job done a hard hat and lunch pail type of guy Love that Puk- love the kind of stuff that Puka Nakua has come putting out early in his career. Yeah, casually leading the league with 39 receptions 
casually leading the league with 500 or sorry, not leading the league second in the league in receiving yards with 501 receiving yards as a fifth round rookie for the Rams. And yes, he wouldn't be doing this if Cooper cup was healthy, but don't get it twisted. This kid would be having a big role no matter who's in the lineup because he's earned that. He proved that in the offseason. The Rams loved this kid. They were instantly raving about him, instantly talking about how he's going to be part of this offense alongside Cooper Cup. But Cup's absence has given him this platform, and he has taken advantage of it in a big way. He has definitely been the most impressive rookie this year and had his biggest week yet and a game winner at that. So, uh, yeah, love to see it for Puka. Um, I got another BYU guy I'll mention. I do want to give this award really to Khalil Mack. Uh, I'm going to give this to Khalil Mack, who had a huge game against his former team in the Raiders. Ten tackles, two forced fumbles, and six sacks in this game. I mean, just wreaking absolute havoc. you love to see it uh, now with the Chargers, but uh, putting up prime Khalil Mack numbers. Uh, you love to see it. Six sacks for Khalil Mack. So I'll give him the MVP. But I want to give a shout-out as well to another BYU alum, Zach Wilson, because... Though he didn't win on Sunday night, and though it wasn't perfect, uh, he had a really good game. And he and it finally felt like he put things together in a big way. And he finally feels like there's positive energy, not only going for him, but for this Jets team. And after such a, just an awful start to their season with what happened with Aaron Rodgers so early in this game, love to see positive energy. Hope they can keep that moving forward for them. So I want to give a little shout out to Zach Wilson there. But the MVP... I mean, six sacks in a game. Come on. Khalil Mack, just dominant. Oh, so dominant. So dominant. Okay, your big uh, L of the week. Yeah, big L of the week. I'm going with the, I'm going with the Bengals, and we talked about them mm. a lot already. I mean, just not living up to the hype. I mean, this was this was an AFC favorite. An AFC favorite, and my goodness, they have just absolutely shit the bed as far as as far as uh their production on the field has gone. Um, they're not picking up wins. That they should be winning with, uh, they're not staying healthy. Um, the, the offensive line is not performing to the caliber that they should be performing, you know, past all the, uh, improvements quote unquote that they've made. Um, the Bengals by far right now, the big L of the week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talked about Cincinnati a lot already. I, uh, Totally agree with you. I'm going with the Giants on this one. The New York Giants, 24 to three loss on Monday night. Second embarrassing primetime loss of the season. Actually, third, frankly, you include the Thursday night game against the Niners. Uh, that opening Sunday night game against the Cowboys, we lost 40 to nothing. And now this Monday night loss, a game in which, and I was going to give this to Daniel Jones. He had a bad game in this, but I don't want to put all this on Daniel Jones because he was sacked 11 times in this game. 11 sacks given up by this Giants offensive line to a Seahawks defensive line that is improved, but not a top five or even maybe top 10 unit in the league. So the fact that you're giving up 11 sacks to the Seahawks in that defense is wow. Uh, that is a really tough look. Uh, Giants big step back this year. We'll see how they respond to this tough start, but uh, man, some some big big losses not good i mean they're gonna have to have some serious turnarounds uh on the field to get uh any sort of traction to get themselves in the wild card position because i don't think they're going to be winning the division at this yeah. point <laughs> not even close they don't even have a shot now so 
Um, gonna have to change some serious things. But Dallin, that is going to wrap up our NFL recap for week four. And let's get into our NFL quick picks of week five. Um, a split week for us, Dallin. A wash week. We both wind up ten and six. Both wind up ten and six. So that means I am at thirty-eight. 20 38 and 26 for the year you are at 37 and 27 for the year only a one game difference but a two game difference technically if you look at a splitting splitting games there so um it's still really still really close for us bud so yes it is and the bye weeks have begun so and the bye uh, weeks have begun it'll get a little tricky here i guess that's right. And let's kick this week off with Thursday night football. The Chicago Bears. They're heading over to the nation's capital to take on the Washington Commanders. Washington right now favored at minus five and a half. You know, we have to win at least one, right, Dallin? <laughs> we have to win at least one. Give me the Bears, plus five and a half on the road. Um, I like the Bears to get this one done over the Commanders. Yeah, I knew you were going to pick Chicago in this one, and uh, I am a little grateful for that because it gives me a chance to get a game on you this week (laughs) uh, because I am rolling with the Commanders. Hey, an impressive game from them against Philly. Showed some fight in that, pushed it to overtime. I was really impressed with the Commanders the way they've started this season. I say they get it done on Thursday night. Give me the commanders following that, Mitch. Jacksonville. They did not head back to the swamps of Jacksonville. They stayed in the UK. They're playing another London game. And this time it's not the Atlanta Falcons, but the Buffalo Bills headed across the pond. Buffalo favored minus five and a half in this game. A great matchup between the Jags and the Bills. But give me Buffalo, who's riding high right now. Back-to-back, really strong performances from Buffalo. They put up another one. Give me the Bills. Yeah, Buffalo easy in this one. Jacksonville staying two weeks in a row in London. That might take a toll on you guys. I don't yeah. like that. I don't like too that Too many at all. English breakfasts. It's going to weigh them down. You know, too, too many, many bangers and mash. Toast. Too many bangers and mash. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that at all. <clears throat> give me Buffalo. Up. Following that game down, we have New Orleans. They are leaving the Big East. They're headed up to the Northeast to take on the New England Patriots. New England right now favored at minus one and a half. Give me the Saints, though. I like the Saints on the road here. New England, not a very good team at all. And there's there's a lot of question marks here. I think that Bill Belichick should probably think about hanging them up. Um, big question marks in New England. Give me the Saints. Yeah. Uh, you know, neither of these teams impressive last week. Saints didn't really put up much of a fight against Tampa Bay. Uh, obviously, New England looked pretty pitiful on Sunday night against the Cowboys. Uh, or Sunday against the Cowboys. But um, I'm going to roll with New Orleans in this one. Derek Carr, hopefully he's a little healthier. If he's not healthy, throw Jameis out there. We don't need an unhealthy Derek Carr. Healthy Jameis will be plenty. Uh, New Orleans gets this one done on the road, Mitch. Following that, an AFC South matchup. Tennessee and Indianapolis, a classic, and they are split here, an even line. No one's favored in this game right now. I'm sure they will be by game time on Sunday, but we don't make picks on game time. 
we make them with these lines on Tuesday evening, which, uh, you know, is not always great. But uh, this is a good matchup. Tennessee coming off a big win. Indianapolis, tough loss in overtime to the Rams last week. But I'm rolling with Anthony Richardson and the Colts. They've been impressive. They're showing fight. Uh, They get it done at home. Yeah, in a pick'em game, I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson and the Colts as well. Um, Tennessee has been really, really, really unimpressive um, on both sides of the football. I like Indianapolis in this game. Following that game, Baltimore, they are leaving the state of Maryland to head over to the Steel City to take on the Baltimore or take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Baltimore favored right now at minus three and a half. Give me Baltimore on the road to get it done. Um, Steelers, lots of troubles over there in Steel City. Um, I like the Ravens this one. Yeah, even with Kenny, Kenny Pickett, even if he were to play in this game, there wouldn't be much more confidence for me on the Steelers. Definitely rolling with the Ravens in this one. Following that, Mitch, my Carolina Panthers. They're headed up to Motown to take on the Detroit Lions, and the Lions are favored minus nine in this game. Do I dare bet against the Panthers? We're we're winless on the season. Bryce Young, his first career win. It's got to come at some point. It's going to come eventually. Why not this week? I can't do it, Mitch. I can't do it. Hopefully, it's uh, reverse psychology, and by picking against them, they will win. But I am going with Detroit at home in this one. I would love to tell you, Dallin, keep pounding, but I can't. I can't do it. Give me the Detroit Lions um, at home over the Carolina Panthers. Following that game, the Houston Texans, they're leaving the Lone Star State to head down to Hotlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta right now favored. Minus two. Give me Houston plus two. This team is playing exceptionally well. C.J. Stroud is playing it really, really well. Him and Nico Collins have something special going on right now. I like Houston on the road in Atlanta. Yeah, you know, that Atlanta offense is really sputtering, specifically that passing offense. Just nothing going for Desmond Ritter in that passing offense. Big questions for for the Falcons. Not a lot of questions on offense for Houston right now. We know what they're capable of. Give me the Texans to get another win on the road. Uh, This one at Atlanta. Following that, the final uh, early slate game. The New York Giants coming off that bad Monday night loss, and they're headed down to South Beach to take on the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins favored minus 11 in this game, and I will take that and then some. Give me the Dolphins. Dolphins, easy 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 pick here dolphins over giants uh following that game down we have the cincinnati Bengals. they're leaving the state of ohio to head over to the desert to take on the arizona cardinals uh cincinnati right now favored by three and a half by minus three um look Bengals have to win at some point right they have to we cannot see the same disappointing Bengals team week in and week out. It has to turn around. Give me the Bengals over the Cardinals on the road. I like the Bengals. Yeah, I I like the Bengals in this game, I guess. Um, Arizona, you know, they have not been the pushover that I think you and I saw coming into the season where, I, I mean, I know I thought they would just bottom out completely and be just a, a cakewalk, but uh, 
They've been a competitive team. They've been a fighter. They've they've showed uh, to be a tough out this season. And I think they'll show that again on Sunday, but I will roll with Cincinnati to get it done on the road. Got to get a win for the Bengals. Following that, Mitch, the Philadelphia Eagles headed across the country to SoFi Stadium to take on the Los Angeles Rams. Puka Nakua and the Los Angeles Rams. Philly favored minus four and a half in this game on the road. L.A. puts up a good fight, but Philly gets this one done. Give me the Eagles. Yeah, Philly wins, doesn't cover. I think it's a really, really close game. Um, I like Philly, though, on the road over the Rams. Following that game, the New York Jets, the J-E-T-E-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. They're on the road in mile high, taking on the Denver Broncos. Denver favored right now, minus two. I'm going to take Denver. I'm going to take Denver to get it done at home over the Jets. Um, not saying that there's anything cooking. I mean, is this garbage game of the week, though? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is definitely yeah. garbage game of the week. We got to we got it here and here briefly. So here this we go. Just, this is just hot garbage. Straight hot garbage. You're a garbage person. Yeah, garbage game of the week. But I think yes. Denver gets this one done. Gets this one done a mile high. Okay, you know, I I think this is a pretty tough matchup. Pretty tight game. I'm going to roll with the Jets. The defense for this Jets team is legit. It's good enough to win some games. If the offense can just be competent enough, I think they can beat this Denver squad. So give me the Jets to ride some momentum after that Sunday night game into a win this week over the Broncos. Following that, Mitch, the Kansas City Chiefs. They're leaving Arrowhead. They're headed to Minneapolis to take on the Vikings. Chiefs are favored minus five in this game. Pretty easy for me. I'm taking Kansas City on the road. Easy. Easy. Take Kansas City. Not even a question here. Take them at the points, too. Take them minus five and a half. Or take them minus five. Uh, Following that, Sunday night football down the Dallas Cowboys. Game of the week. I think game of the week right here, the Dallas Cowboys, they're headed over to the city by the bay to take on the San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco right now favored minus four. Give me the Niners. I think the team to beat in the NFC, this is such a good team. I think they get it done over the Cowboys. I like the Niners in this one at home. Yeah. uh, You know, Jerry Jones said today, on Tuesday, October 3rd, that the NFC runs through San Francisco. He acknowledged that as the test for the Cowboys coming up. And I I think that's fair, even though Philly is the defending NFC champs and as great as the Eagles are, this Niners team has been very impressive. But they're going to falter at some point this season. And it's not a cakewalk in the NFC. There are some tough teams, and I think this Dallas squad is one of them. Give me the Cowboys to upset on Sunday night football. Cowboys over Niners on Sunday night. Mm. And that leads us to our final game of the week, our Monday night matchup between the Green Bay Packers and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Packers headed down to the Sin City to take on the Raiders. Packers favored. Minus two in this game. Give me Jordan Love and the Packers. It's been a good start to the season for the Packers. Two and two. Not a great start. Still some things you'd like to see from this team, but more than capable. If Aiden O'Connell, especially, is starting again for the Raiders, it's going to be a tough task. So give me Green Bay. 
Yeah, tough ask. I'm gonna take the green. I'm gonna take the Packers as well, but also a game. I'm not gonna be shocked if I lose. Oh yeah. Like I, I could see the Raiders winning at home over the Packers. So, um, but for now, for pick's sake, I'm taking the Packers on the road over the Raiders. There you go. Alrighty, that's going to do it for our quick picks. Again, the beginning of the bye week. So we've got the Browns, the Chargers, the Seahawks, and the Buccaneers on a bye uh, this week. And uh, we'll uh, we'll have that every week from here till for the next like 10, I think. I think until week 14? Yeah, until the buys wrap up. But um, there you go. That's it for the quick picks. And that'll be it for the podcast. Guys, we appreciate you hanging out and sticking around. During this uh, during this uh, episode, we really appreciate it. Fun to talk NFL, college football, NBA, MLB, all of the above. All sorts uh, of stuff. It was a jam-packed show today, and we loved doing it, uh, especially those the best nicknames drafts. I mean, come on. Does it get better than that? No. No, it doesn't. I don't think. I don't think that might have been our, our best draft we ever done. <laughs> might have been our best draft we ever done. I like uh, it. I think it was pretty good. I think it was pretty yeah, good. It was, it was uh, solid. Yeah. So if you don't already, uh, and uh, you know, you're on you're on the social medias because we know you are, and you're thinking, hey, I don't follow these guys. Are they around? We are around. Uh we're live every Tuesday night on X at Sports Hour Guys and on youtube.com slash sports hour guys. Follow us there, subscribe to the YouTube, join us every week when we do these live streams. Uh, you can follow the Instagram at the Sports Hour Guys. The TikTok is also at the Sports Hour Guys. Catch on the latest content and the updates we put out on uh, the Instagram. So that's a good one to know there. Uh, so yeah, if you don't already, drop a follow on there. We we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, for those that are on the podcast feed, though, Mitch, uh, let them know where they can find it. Yeah, if you're not able to catch us, you know, live on the YouTube or X. Uh, every week you can always listen to this in podcast form and you can find us on any platform that you get your podcast that's apple podcast spotify stitcher you look up the sports hour guys you will find us there go ahead and get on apple podcast leave us a rating review tell us that we suck because down on it that is the only way that we can get better it is the only way that we could get better and um we're still trying to do that so uh, yeah, help us we, do that. We still suck, guys. We still suck. We, it turns out that we still suck. Uh, I hate to see it. So uh, maybe on episode one eighty, we'll we'll stop sucking. But uh, hopefully, probably not. Hopefully, hopefully. D- don't don't bet on it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> appreciate you hanging out, guys. It's good to good to get into the month of October. We got uh, again MLB postseason underway. The NBA season will begin here in a couple weeks. At the end of the month. Uh, the NFL's in its full stride. So is college football. It's a great time of year. I think it comes to, I think starting on Wednesday, we have 50 straight days of football on our TV. There will never not be a day where there's college or NFL on the TV. So we are at the peak uh, of our season, the peak of the content and uh, couldn't be happier to have it here. So uh, yeah, couldn't be. And I do want to give a quick special shout out to my brother. Happy 27th birthday, buddy. Uh, thank you. Let's go. Happy birthday, T. Happy birthday, Big T. You'll love it. Okay. That's it. Get us out so of here, So long, bitch. everybody. Bye-bye. Damn it. We'll see ya. <laughs> <laughs>